Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff. That's me. Three and Out Podcast. That's the show. Back in action again. Hopefully everyone had a good weekend, having a good Monday. It's probably Tuesday if you're listening to this. Some football talk on the draft. Hard knocks. Odell Beckham Jr. Back making some news. And uh, obviously, we will discuss your mailbag questions. Because that's what we do here on the show. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open. Fire in and get your questions answered here on the show. Probably going to need your guys' mailbag questions this month because free agency is basically over, and if nothing happens with Rodgers or Lamar till the draft, it's going to be slow times. You know, there's not going to be a lot of draft buzz, uh, I would say, for the next month, beside a couple quarterback things here and there. But for the most part, come on, baby. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show and interact with myself, the people. Let's have a good time. We, we can hell, We can talk whatever we want. I just watched the first episode of Waco. On Netflix, <laughs> talk about a documentary. Can't recommend it enough. Turn that thing on. I'm going to watch another episode after the uh, college basketball national championship tonight. That thing was good. I, I just fell asleep. I couldn't, I was exhausted. But uh, the first episode, riveting. I mean, absolutely riveting. So let's talk some football. But this weekend, I found myself watching a lot of baseball. I watched the Yankees. I was like, is Aaron Judge going to hit 70 home runs? He's already got two. He's only played three games. No, I want to go to a Yankee game. If I lived in New York, do you know what I would do? I would download the GameTime app, the official ticketing partner of this podcast. I type in the promo code John, J-O-H-N, and I get $20 off. And I would go watch Aaron Judge probably hit a home run because that's usually what Aaron Judge does. If you're listening to this and you want to go to a baseball game, they only last two and a half hours. You're in, you're out. Enjoy a little vitamin D. Have a couple pops. Enjoy yourself and do it on me. These inflationary times, I got your back. Saving you $20. Promo code John. Download the GameTime app. Fastest growing ticket app in America. Promo code John, $20 off. Don't even need to thank me. Just use the promo code. And because you guys have, they're the ticket, uh, the official ticketing app of this uh, podcast. We appreciate you guys. They appreciate you guys. Do it on me. Concerts, comedy shows. I got you. Promo code John. A lot of football stuff going on right now. We got the draft, you know, basically three and a half weeks away. I would imagine most NFL teams are you know, finalizing their draft board, right? The grades were well-established months ago, but this is the time of the year when, now I, it's probably changed a little with Zoom and Google Meets. You never want to leave out Google Meets. You know, they might want to sponsor the show. I heard Google's got a lot of cash. Even though I did see that Google uh, is cutting expenses, they're getting rid of staplers. Uh, that'll probably save them some money. But 
you know, the draft is a time where for those that work, you know, the college scouts, the general managers, they, they do this year round. In the summer, they are watching the guys that are going to play in the fall. And then when those guys play in the fall, they watch all their snaps. And then in the offseason, they go to all the all-star games, the combines. And it's a constant kind of, uh, you know, addition of information. And they say it's a process. It's a big, you know, puzzle. You're putting the pieces together. You're gathering information. And you're trying to make an educated guess of if the guy's going to be a really good pro, what round would we take him? You're factoring in all these different variables. And I've loved the draft since I was a kid. I would imagine many people listening to this love the draft. It's a unique part of the sport. You get to add young players who are really cheap and who ultimately become stars, right? The greatest player in the league, in the history of the league, you know, I, we could debate this, but I mean, the most accomplished player was pick 199. And so just because you're taking the first round, we all are fans of teams that have drafted guys in the first round that haven't become players. So right now, depending on the operation, a lot of teams involve their coaches heavily. Some teams are more a front office-led operation. Some teams involve their coordinators. It's hard because just like a lot of scouts don't know scheme, a lot of coaches aren't great talent evaluators. So there's a, ba a balance of knowing your own operation internally, who's good at evaluating, who's not good at evaluating. Just because you're not good at evaluating, if you're a you know a linebacker coach or a running back coach, doesn't mean you don't have a strong opinion on who you want the team to draft. Now, if your coach is the ultimate decision maker, maybe you can get in his ear. If the GM is, he can push back. A lot of push and pull right now. A lot of both sides are trying to figure it out. And let's face it, like I've talked to enough people, this is not a great draft. I've talked to several older scouts and executives that thinks this is one of the worst drafts since they can remember. That doesn't mean that really good players are not going to come out of this. This doesn't mean we might not look back in three or four years and star players are littered in this draft. But based on the college film and these guys' measurable slash production, it's not viewed as some star-studded operation. I was lucky enough my first year in the NFL to be the guy that went, and this was before the NFL took the draft to different cities. It was just at Radio City Music Hall. And I went, and, and my job was to sit there and talk to the team, right? So Howie or whoever the point guy was would call, you know, call me on the phone or you'd press a button. I forget exactly how it worked. And I'd write down the name. And I, it was a draft we took Danny Watkins. But that draft was incredible. Cam Newton, J.J. Watt, Vaughn Miller, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Alden Smith. It, it was loaded. I mean, it was, it was star-studded. And the draft, like on draft night, there is never a moment when someone's picked and they show the war room and those people aren't happy, especially in the first round. So most teams, when you pull the trigger on a player, you think the guy's going to be really good. Now, the thing with football, more than these other sports, there are so many variables. It's the most scheme-oriented sport. I would say it's definitely the sport that requires the most intellectual capacity on that individual sport. You have to learn positional you know, uh, requirements for your team and then scheme requirements for the entire offense or defense. You constantly have coaching turnover. There are just a lot of things that are hard to quantify. 
That's why this process and this date, given the the you know the draft every single year, we have hits and misses. And we have things that at the time feel like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy fell. And then three years later, no one's even talking about that. And vice versa, especially in a sport that is so physically demanding that these injuries and things that people don't know about that teams have red flagged behind the scenes come into play. And right now you'll read and hear a lot about top 30 visits. And what that is, is every team in the league gets 30 players that they can bring into their facility for like 24 hours. And part of that is you take the guy to dinner, you get to spend time with the owner, the coordinator, the head coach, the position coaches. You get to ask them some questions about things that maybe you don't know about or have questions about with their past. Or maybe you're just simply trying to get to know the player better. And I think you got to be careful with this because I'll never forget when my first or second year Bobby Wagner was coming out. And he was, you know, pretty highly touted prospect, was going to go probably in the top, you know, 75 picks, uh, really productive player from Utah State, which, you know, not some powerhouse program, though at the time they were actually producing a lot of NFL players. And I'll never forget he wore a Ninja Turtle backpack. And I would imagine, because I know I did, thought like, that's kind of weird. Not that I was in position to draft him or not. But it turned on to have like a borderline Hall of Fame career. And I just think sometimes in these visits, and he was not like a, no one questioned his character or anything. But a lot of times these character guys show up in a full suit. To me, that was always like, well, something's a little off here. And I'll never forget, there were two guys one time my first year. I did a lot of like picking them up from the airport and taking them to the facility, and then when they'd leave, I'd take them back to the airport. And I remember that there was a group of two players that got into the car with me, and neither of them went on to have really long careers. But both of them had some red flags off the field. It was why we were bringing them in, uh, you know, Howie, Andy, whoever, to meet with them. And they just started talking about things that they would never say in front of the GM, in front of the coordinator, in front of any of the coaches, in front of anyone that they thought might impact their status. And one of my jobs was kind of report everything I heard. And I remember going right back. I, I, I don't know how much interest at the time we had, but it definitely wasn't a flattering thing that, that I reported back. And that's what this whole time is. So when you read that Will Levis is meeting with the Raiders or so-and-so player is meeting with the Vikings. You know, it's an information gathering time. And some players, you know, it's not even about character at all. It's just getting to know you more as a football player. Getting to know, you know, for Will Levis, when he meets with these teams, I think teams are going to want to know, what is your football intelligence? Like, what, if I tell you, if I give you a playbook the week before you're coming to meet me, and then when you get here, I sit you down with my coordinator, my head coach, my position coach, and we start drilling you on 10 things that I told you to keep an eye on or read about in that playbook. Can you reiterate those things back to me? Do you know what's going on? Because I remember a, a famous story. I think Mahomes told this to the Kelsey brothers on their podcast that Matt Nagy like, gave him the answers to the test because he liked them so much. So when he came on his visit, they kind of did some of that. And Mahomes had already been tipped off of what they were going to look for. But that's just kind of what's going on right now. Getting to know people, anyone with character questions, you're definitely digging into. 
I would say a lot of first round picks. I would imagine, I know in my experience, Jeffrey Lurie always met with high valued picks. He talked to him. Uh, again, no, it might not even be about that serious, just getting to meet somebody. When you're thinking about drafting a player really high, you know, the owner probably wants to talk to him. And so when I saw the story today that Jalen Carter, who, and I give this guy a lot of credit, he's clearly one of the great agents in the history of sports. His success speaks for itself. He's a unique personality who knows what he's doing. But a story today I saw Drew Rosenhaus is not letting teams outside of the top 10 get visits with Jalen Carter. And that's pretty abnormal, I would say, uh, with a within the NFL. Like in basketball and baseball, you often hear about these agents withholding information. Because, I mean, those are kind of player-run, agent-run operations. Listen, I, I, I grew up in around Sacramento. The Kings, who just made the playoffs, and now the longest playoff uh, active or missing the playoff streak belongs to the Jets. So the Kings just snapped a long streak. But for a long period of time, they were viewed, and rightfully so, as one of the most dysfunctional teams in all of sports. And so many agents would withhold information, would tell them, do not draft my player. That doesn't really happen in the NFL. It's very, very few and far between. Happens in baseball where teams, you know, or a kid coming out of college or high school withhold medical information for major league teams. I get it. That, that's just not the way the NFL operates. Now, Jalen Carter's unique, right? He is viewed as arguably the best player in this draft, but because of some off-the-field questions, which are very valid, he could slip. So I saw a quote from Drew Rosenhaus, who views this guy as a lock top 10 pick, and I understand, like, I'm not going to send him some team that's drafted 19. It's a waste of my time. And typically, teams that are drafting late don't even request, like, on a you know on a year, let's just pick a sweet player like a Miles Garrett or a Nick Bosa. Those guys aren't going to meet with like the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens. But those teams wouldn't even ask to meet with that player just because it's a waste of everyone's time. In this case, I do understand teams in like I don't know twelve to twenty going. Hey, can we get this guy on a top thirty visit? Because there is a chance that this guy falls in the draft, and ultimately like. And listen, Drew's been doing this longer than I have, but if he does fall in the draft, you do want him to go as quickly as possible. And for those teams to become more comfortable with this player, I don't think getting to know him is the worst thing because, I don't know, depending on who you talk to, I, I think people would argue this guy's got fall potential. And I remember thinking this about Mac Jones. I'm like, you know, if the 49ers don't take him at three, who's going to take him? And if it wasn't for Bill Belichick, Mac Jones was headed to the 20s. That was more of a talent thing. His talent was really overhyped. And look at it now. And this gets back to, there is no such thing as a guy with like a super high floor. Mac Jones, Bill Belichick wouldn't even give him, he wouldn't even name him the starting quarterback at the owner's meetings. Wouldn't say it. Refused. <laughs> Just now, that's maybe he's going a little old school. Mac Jones, not like he's proven anything. But usually by your third year, you're just either the lock starter or you're not. And Mac Jones isn't. You know, Jalen Carter, if Jalen Carter and everyone that I've talked to in the NFL has acknowledged, if this guy's focused and he tries hard, he's a really good player. But then I had one scout tell me, listen, Georgia could have won the national championship if Jalen Carter did not play a game. They could not have won the, you know, the national championship if Stetson Bennett had not played. So you start nitpicking these guys, these teams go, eh, you know, it's just, 
you can just talk yourself into and out of a lot of things this time of year. So interesting tactic by Jalen Carter. And just when you see all these guys making these visits, teams get 30. Uh, you get to spend you know, 24 hours with the guy in your home base where you're comfortable, where you know the drill, where you can dictate the terms. I also saw the Indianapolis Colts. They chose to not really be that present at a lot of the big pro days for the quarterbacks. Instead, they are going to privately work out C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. They're going to send you know, their quarterback coach, their offensive coordinator, obviously their head coach, I'm sure is their offensive coordinator, and they are going to, I'm sure Chris Ballard probably be there, as a contingent, work the guy out. So, you know, every team approaches this a little bit differently. I, I, I do think in the internet age, it's harder to hide things. It used to probably be more in vogue, you know, 15, 20 years ago that you kind of played mind games, cloak and dagger of like, you bring in a guy that you didn't really want. I don't know if you have the time now. Uh, so I think if you're bringing in a guy, you have interest in him. And uh, and yeah, this is just a really fun time of year. It's lying season. Uh, not that far away from guys actually being on teams. A couple other things uh, in football. It feels like the Washington Commanders, by all reports, are going to sell for $6 billion. And one thing that fascinates me, as someone who's you know been looking to buy a home now for a year and inevitably is going to buy a home on a street that is a lot more expensive than the other homes on the street, not necessarily because the home is that much different, just because it's 2023. And another guy on that street might have bought that home in 2003. So if that guy pays 500000 I might have to pay $1.9 million. And his home currently, if he wanted to sell, would be worth a lot of money too. But that's not how I view it. He got it for that amount of money. And I'm fascinated by some of these owners. There's a lot of owners in the NFL that have gotten teams, hell, just because their parents bought it once upon a time, right? They inherited the franchise, which I'm not here to like tell you they shouldn't own it. That's welcome to the reality of life. Now, a lot of their grandpa or their parents, their dads, bought that franchise for not that much money. And I'm always fascinated by a money dynamic once the money gets really, really big, right? Like if you bought a home on a street, let's just say for $10 million, and there were other homes on that street where the people bought it for $100,000, there might be some tension when it came to the HOA rights, right? Just natural. You view yourself, right or wrong, like having more skin in the game, right? And you also made those people a lot of money by just buying that piece of property on the same street that that guy lives. So if the commanders sell for $6 billion, we just saw Tepper buy a team for whatever, $4 billion. We saw the Denver Broncos sell for whatever, $4.5, $5 billion. Some of these teams are being purchased at, you know, just the going rate. For astronomical numbers. Yet there are so many people in the league that once upon a time bought their team for 100, 200, 300 million dollars. So right now, the one thing that the NFL has had is they've been on the same page as a group. They've argued at times, right? But for the most part, they've used well as a unit. For this Thursday night argument a couple weeks ago, I guess it was last week, a lot of people were, were like, why are we trying to flex these Thursday night games? And I read an article where Dave Tepper stood up and like, 
Did Amazon say something? Like, why is this even an issue? And it's clearly just an issue because they used to have 20 million people watch Thursday night games. And last year they had about 10. So they want more people to watch. Now, part of it is just a natural change where you're going to streaming only is going to be pretty extreme. But the point is the amount of money that's on the line and the amount of money that's being spent by the partners, some of these new owners, is just a lot different than some of the money that, hell, Jerry Jones once upon a time bought the team from in 1989. Now, he thinks like these big money guys, and he now is a big money guy, but not every owner is just flush with cash. So one thing I've always, at least the show has talked about, that NFL's not staying on top forever. That's not going to happen. They're not just going to be the bohemists in perpetuity. And it's like, well, I don't see any other sport catching them in terms of interest. Maybe the downfall, inevitably, is just, what if some of the owners start internally fighting? And anytime you get a huge wealth gap, not because the teams don't have money, this is not baseball, every team can pay the player, but the way owners feel that they're more important because they paid more for the team, it's just something that I'm pretty fascinated with. Because I, I just saw... Florio was writing about on Pro Football Talk that uh, the escrow rule in the NFL, if I sign you to a guaranteed contract, within 12 months of signing that contract, I have to put a substantial amount into escrow. It's kind of an archaic way that the NFL does their funding. Well, technically, the Browns on March 31st owed the league $169 million for the escrow payment for Deshaun Watson. Now, I, they declined whether that was put in there, but uh, just shows you. I mean, we we are in uh, in different times with uh, the league that I know. You know, I grew up with. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Odell Beckham Jr. It was originally reported that he wanted $20 million, which was insane. And it has since been rescinded to $15 million, which I also find somewhat laughable in a vacuum, he's not a $15 million player, given his production and given that he has two ACL tears in what, the last like, you know, 40 months. Now, 
I think we all can relate to this at just a different price point. Once you start doing something you like or start making a lot of money, for someone to change your lifestyle or get you to do something you don't want to do, they usually have to pay a lot of money, right? Or, or get to amount of money that like, listen, I'm going to throw a number out there. You're probably not going to match. I'm not even that interested. And, and that happens sometimes. And I started thinking like, Odell has made a lot on the field. He's also made a lot off the field, made a ton of money. Are we sure Odell like is willing to play for three or $4 million? Because to me, that's kind of his going rate. It's like a three or $4 million player, given that he's got multiple injuries. And when you look at his production, he's got seven touchdowns since 2019, right? Like part of the problem right now with DeAndre Hopkins, he makes $19 million. He averaged a career low in 2022 for yards per catch. He obviously was suspended for some PED issues. Like the money doesn't really add up for the production and some of the red flags and some of the trends. It's why you could request a trade all you want. No one's trading for you at that price point. That's why Odell Beckham could ask for 15 million. Don't blame him because his life's great. He's already worth a ton, but he's not a $15 million player. And I don't see anyone, especially currently, going to crack at the $15 million number. Now, maybe if we get in a training camp and a guy tears an ACL or an Achilles, a team is desperate and someone gives them like 8 to $10 million. But I will be stunned, given his age, given his limited past production over a three or four year span, and given his injuries, if he gets a big time contract. Don't blame him at all for not asking for, asking for a bigger number, but it just doesn't add up. So I think you have to ask yourself, does he really want to play that much? Like, is this life or death? And when I say life or death, I don't actually mean life or death. I just mean, does football mean everything to the guy anymore? I don't know. I mean, it, it might. It might not. You know, and I, I think it's very, very, he, he's a, he's a bizarre player because his peak, he was really, really special. The Giants fans know his speed was elite. He was so dynamic with the ball in his hands. He was so unreal as a punt returner. I mean, the dude was a legitimate star. But then the moment he got paid, slash he got traded to the Browns, his injuries, it ain't the same. Like, this is 2023. It's not 2015. And I, I just wonder if where we're headed with Odell is maybe he's not headed to an NFL team anytime soon, and it's just going to be when his number comes way down. Or maybe somehow he backs into... Some guys get hurt and he gets way more than, you know, I think he's worth, but way less than his $15 million number. Hard knocks. Uh, They're down to four teams because to be eligible for hard knocks, you can't have a new coach and you can't have made the playoffs in the last two years. So like the Patriots, for example, they don't have a coaching change, but they made the playoffs in 2021. So they are exempt. So the teams we're looking at are the Saints, the Bears, and the New York Jets. And the Bears have been pretty adamant. They want no part of it. To me, the Saints would be a little boring. I think the Jets are... I mean, honestly, if you just... Once Aaron Rodgers is traded to the Jets, if you just had to do a draft of what teams would you want to see on hard knocks, I don't see how the Jets wouldn't be near the top. I mean, honestly, they feel like a lock. Big market, star quarterback, who's polarizing, and a really talented team. And a coach. 
Because to me, you need a star player and you need a head coach with some personality. The commanders are another team, right? They they would make actually they're not commanders. No. Uh no commanders. I, I'm confused. I thought there were four teams, but I only named three. Maybe it is the commanders. Did they make the playoffs two years ago? Or was that three years ago? I think it was three years ago. And I, I think the Jets just end up being on hard knocks. I mean, they make too much sense. You got Robert Sala, good looking, big personality. He, he can carry you. Aaron Rodgers content can carry you. And let's face it, and I've been saying this for a while. Hard knocks is kind of a thing of the past. You know, it's just, it's kind of boring. We don't get the inside view of the GM and the head coach talking about, you know, the 53-man roster, who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. It feels like it's run by the league in terms of no one wants to hurt anyone's feelings. And I get why. If I was a team and I was in charge of a team, I wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings either. But that was a huge reason that Hard Knocks really shot out like a rocket ship when, you know, when I was like in high school and college because it was so raw and real. It was reality television. Like legitimately, you would get those personnel meetings where they were like ranking guys who was going to get cut, who might not make it, what draft pick sucked. And those days feel like a thing of the past. The Lions had its moments, but even that, you know, it's just, it's a little cheesier now. So at least with the Aaron Rodgers drama alone, I think it could carry hard knocks at minimum for a couple episodes. Hey, let's bang out a little middle cough mailbag. We'll keep this short and sweet. This shorter podcast, uh, we will do a much longer mailbag probably on Friday. Start with Jim. First ever DM, Instagram sucks. Gonna push back like Instagram. One, scenario for the Lions this year. If they miss the playoffs, does Goff have a job next year and win total predictions for the NFC North? Pretty good question here. I'd go with Jared Goff. He's going to be a free agent, I'm pretty sure, after this season. So if he were to miss the playoffs, no, he would not be back. And win prediction, I do think it's, for example, the Packers. For the last 30 years, they have been the hunter. That doesn't mean, excuse me, the hunted. That doesn't mean they make the, you know, win the division every year. Doesn't mean they always even make the playoffs. But every year that they've had Farvin Rodgers, coming into the season, people view them as good. And most of the years, they have been right? They have been a double-digit win team. Packer fans, I mean, if I had to take an educated guess, since Brett Favre began starting and they've had Rodgers, I would guess 20 division championships. Does that feel a little high? I guess the Vikings have won it a couple times. I don't even remember the Lions winning it. Obviously, the Bears probably won it a time or two. Been the Packers division, right? So... The Giants last year are a good example. They kind of got to sneak up on some people. In 2023, like this fall, they're sneaking up on nobody. Not because they're some super lo- you know, super loaded roster, but because people are going to view them as a playoff team. Right? So the Lions, while they didn't make the playoffs, people are going to have a lot of respect for their roster and their players this fall. So they're going to be viewed as like a real team. And it's just going to be fascinating. Like, I, I'm going to pick them to win the division. We'll see, though. It's not going to be easy for Dan Campbell. He's going to have a lot of pressure on him, not just to win the division, but to me, anything less than the playoffs, a major, major disappointment. And I, I do just wonder if it's going to be a little more difficult than we think. I'm picking them. 
I'm not off the scent. And they haven't even had the draft. Like I, I like where they're headed. But it's it's just difficult when people take you seriously. Like it's easy to climb the mountain, right? When no one sees you coming. Then you get up there and that wind starts blowing, it's harder to stay. Now, hell, the Lions haven't got to the top of the mountain yet, but my point is it's kind of easy just what they were able to do last year. Remember, they started really shitty. They start 0-3 or 1-4. and We'll see. Again, I, I, I'm not wavering from my Lions pick here in April. As someone who just got their first sports journalism job, beat writer for some NFL teams, don't want to out you, or maybe you do want to be outed. I don't even know if it's outing you, but you know, I appreciate how you always tie football to le- real life scenarios, such as business, real estate, stocks. I just finished my bachelor's in business and will be starting my master's in journalism soon. My guy's well educated here. Uh, would appreciate any tips on how to grow your following in the media world, or if you think there's that's overrated and just focus on the content. Well, that's a good question. I, I think the content is always king, right? Unless you, you know, if you're going on first take, you can say whatever the fuck you want, right? And then it's just like just being exposure. But if you're starting at a lower level, like try to do a really good job. Try to master and figure out what you're good at and then hone in on those skills. It's funny. I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day. It's like, you know, a lot of people have dreams and aspirations about doing bigger things in life in whatever you do. And I think a lot of people, and I'm all for try it. Don't waste too much time planning. Like you just kind of got to dive into the deep end. That's part of life. But when you do dive into the deep end or when you do, you know, want to think big picture stuff, it does help to be really good at whatever specifically you're doing. So I would just hone in. I don't know. Journalism, I don't exactly know what that means. Like, are you going to, when you say a beat writer, are you going to be on camera? Are you going to be doing videos? Are you going to be writing? Whatever you're doing, especially if you're young, like in your 20s, master that. Give all your time to figuring that out, how to do it. And then like over time, like your following will just naturally grow. You'll separate from the pack if you're good at what you're doing. But I wouldn't be obsessed with that, you know, at 24 years old. I would be more, and I understand in these times and the way society works, everyone wants it all. I did too. I'm sure many people listening. But I think sometimes you kind of just got to stack a couple things and then figure it out. And I think it's hard because we have so much access to see these guys that make millions of dollars on YouTube that are our age or a couple years older. Like that's not the majority of people. That is a small, small minority of people that just blow up and got 10 million followers on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You know, again, how many of those people are actually monetizing them? On Twitter, nobody. On the other apps, the people with the big followings can monetize them. But ultimately, my point is, I would just focus on just being laser, just be really good at what you're doing. Be, be laser focused on the present and then let it kind of play out from there. Which you could be like, well, it's easy for you to say, well, yeah, in my 20s, I just fucking swung my pick. I just swung my pick. And honestly, it wasn't, I didn't start making real money till three or four years ago. Honestly, you know, probably around 2019, 2020. I'm 38 years old. Now, I took a path, was very focused 
on I was just going to make it. And the crazy part is in my tw- what I did in my 20s is not it does relate to what I'm doing now obviously, but it's not the same business. I'm not working in the same industry in the sense of like I don't work in the NFL, I don't work in college football anymore. I don't even work in radio. So life changes, just be fluid with everything, but but the one thing I focused on was it sounds cheesy, but like be where your feet is. And if you have an opportunity to cover NFL teams, like I would take that shit very seriously. And the two teams you listed are pretty big teams. So if you get to be around those GMs, those assistant coaches, those coaches, those players, the, the agents, like take advantage of that. Who knows where things could break? I wouldn't be as obsessed as quote unquote growing my following as I would be in like trying to do a really good job and trying to impress the people I'm around. Because that's usually you know, how the dam breaks. Because then once the dam breaks and you're prepared to handle the situation when uh, when the opportunity is there, then you just break down the fucking, you know, the wall and never look back. But I think a lot of people, I want to do this! And then you're just not ready and then it's kind of a waste of time. Or a wasted opportunity. So, you know, there are only so many like Gary V's who are ready to do like seven different things when they're 27. At least according to the internet. I'm not a Gary V hater, but I'm just saying like some people just operate at a slower pace. Some of us just need to experience things before we figure things out. Some of us are just willing to just do whatever immediately. I, I was always anyone who just like becomes an entrepreneur or just starts their own thing out of like college is just, is an incredible story to me. To have that wiring at 20, 21, 22. And I know a couple people. I am one of my college roommates. Crushed it. Created his own business out of college. Also one of the smartest guys I know. Right? I, I, I wouldn't have had that capability. Like I just, I wouldn't even, self-confidence, uh, understanding, just intellectual capacity. I mean, at, at 22 years old, 20, I'd have no chance. I, I would have been screwed. I wouldn't even have tried. I, I didn't. I couldn't. Most people can't. So just do a good job covering those teams. And you know, I'd say Adam Schefter, once upon a time, started covering Denver Broncos. Worked out okay for him. Hope you're well. I'm a Catholic priest and a fellow older millennial and avid listener. If you're ever in Detroit, save for next year's draft. Be cool to get together. Probably not and get drinks though, though. Is that allowed? Catholic priest? I've been a huge Lamar fan throughout his rise to stardom. I think your take on his current contract negotiation is pretty spot on. My question, do you think people perhaps, most especially Lamar himself, are significantly overestimating how well he will be able to perform in a new setting? I get that he's starred everywhere he's been, but I also get it's the Ravens pretty meticulously built their offense to suit his skill set. And they had Greg Roman who while failing to develop Lamar's passing game, featured an overwhelming, intricate run game and surely capitalized on Lamar's skill set. Do you wonder whether Lamar might decline significantly without such a tailor-made roster and most clever run game schemer in recent memory? I'm concerned he will. Well, a new setting, if he were to be traded, that would mean he got traded for several picks and given a lot of money. That in itself, you know, whether you're Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson or Jalen Ramsey or Khalil Mack, you don't even need to be a quarterback. 
brings a set of expectations that are sky high. That that is a that is a moment where the bar is dramatically raised. Now, when you're a quarterback, especially of Lamar's resume, you've won an MVP, you're famous, the bar is pretty high. Like people expect you to play at a high level, and when you don't, you get criticism. So you're kind of used to that. But if a team, let's just say Team X, the Falcons, the Lions, whoever, were to trade for him and then give him a $200 million contract, like the expectation, anything less than dominating and being a pro bowl, pro bowler and going to the playoffs every year would be very, very difficult. Now, the variables in which you said, yeah, like that would give me grave concerns. I think one of the big reasons he hasn't been traded for or teams aren't as interested, slash the Ravens are somewhat on the fence, is I don't think people trust that he's some star-passing quarterback. Now, maybe that's recency bias. Maybe it's just simply the Ravens did a shitty job drafting quarterbacks. Maybe, like you said, it's their run game coordinator who was their offensive coordinator, but Greg Roman's not a great pass game guy. He's a great run coordinator. Maybe it's the coaching. And these are variables, and we talk about this in the draft. We talk about this in free agency. Football has more variables than all these other sports. It it just does. Like, if I sign a right-handed hitter, it's pretty clear what he does well and what he doesn't do well. He doesn't hit right-handers well. He doesn't hit the inside breaking ball well. His go zone is the outside, upper, middle half of the strike zone. Fastballs. Great fastball hitter. Like, it's, it's very black and white. Like, it's like an Excel spreadsheet. There is no Excel spreadsheet with football players. Because, like, who's he throwing to? Who's his offensive line? Who's his coach? Who's his head coach? What was the organizational philosophy? What is he good at? What did they ask him to do? What is his learning ability? What is his arm strength? What are the routes he's good at throwing? What are the routes he's not? Is he an accurate quarterback? So, I, you know, what division is he in? Who's he playing? And, I, I, yeah, I, I think he is, you know... I still think he, I mean, where's he going to end up at this point? It does feel like he's going to end up back on the Ravens, which is kind of weird, but that's the NFL. This is not Kyrie Irving demanding a trade. It's just, that's not, if the Ravens don't want to trade him, he's not getting traded. Just simple. It does feel like they would be open to trading him, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of people offering a lot of picks, which, like I've said, you'd be naive to think people haven't talked, but... If he's saying, I want more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson, he's not getting that. And I I hear a lot of people like, Lamar knows his value. Well, no, he doesn't. Because that is not his value. His value is not $230 million. It's just not. Right, wrong, or indifferent. He's not getting that much money. So, I think he just ends back up on the Ravens, to be honest with you. And... Then, you know, would he is he gonna sit out the year? I don't know. Maybe it just gets weirder. Situation is just weird. So I, I don't really know what to say. Uh, but if he were to go to another team, yes, those things would, you know, leave me concerned. Appreciate everyone listening. Fire in those DMs at John Middlecoff. Get in the uh get in the mailbag this upcoming week. And uh hopefully everyone has a good week. It's good times. April, sun's coming out, hopefully, wherever you live. Get some vitamin D. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the Masters. And uh, the draft's right around the corner, baby. So buckle up.
volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts